Our message for communion is from Colossians. So we're continuing a series from Colossians, and I'll read from verses uh, 13 through 18 of chapter 1. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence with us now. We thank you for the truth of your word, for the power and rule of your son. And we thank you, Lord, that he rules now and will rule until all enemies are subdued under his feet. It's in his name that we pray and enter into your throne room. Amen. So we have, I'll start at verse 15. We already covered 13 and 14. And we have four verses. And I don't know if we can get rid of that sound, but I think Josiah's trying. So he is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. So when I say that, what does it bring to mind? Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Genesis 1.26 says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. And when you read these four verses, this is exactly what is being spoken of concerning Christ. Christ is the second Adam. We know that from Romans. And yet Christ is also the successful Adam. Dominion was granted to man, and man had it about that long before he messed it up. Later in Genesis, we read the story of Esau, and we are all pretty, I think, harsh in our judgment of Esau, spurning his birthright, yet it's what we've all done. In Adam, we've all spurned our birthright. We are all Esau's at heart, and so it's up to God to transform us by the power of his son into his true children children who are obedient to him. Verse 16. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and earth, that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. It's obvious that Paul is not just speaking of stuff. When we speak of creating things, we tend to think in terms of stuff that was being created. Matter the universe we exist in. And yet, the examples that he gives are all 
heaven, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, principalities, powers. Uh, this is authority structures throughout the universe, not just on this earth, but throughout the universe, in heaven and on earth. So see, Christ created everything, which means he created all authority, all power, all principalities, all dominions. Man was granted this dominion, but he was not granted ownership. Christ retained ownership. We err if we tend to think that the earth is man's. It's not. In the parables of Matthew 20 and 21, Jesus told several parables about a vineyard owner. In one, he's giving uh, responsibility to his children to run the vineyard. In another, he is a businessman, and he's going out and hiring people to enter into the vineyard to work. In another, he's established the vineyard, and then he's gone away to a far country, and he's leased it out to vine dressers. But what we can forget with these simple parables is God is the vineyard owner. In none of these did these people that are working the vineyard own the vineyard. Not his sons, not the people that he work, brought in as workers, and certainly not the people that he leased to. And so we tend to forget, I think. And there are many theologians, and you can read many bad commentaries that will speak of the earth as being given over to man, that it's man's to have. No, no. Jesus never gave up true ownership of what it is that he'd given man dominion over. He retained ownership. He retained rule. And he watched man squander this position of authority and power that he placed him in. Verse 17, And he is before all things, and in him all things Consist. Christ is before all things, and in him all things consist. We'd already read that he was the firstborn over all creation. And again, uh, some theologians can get kind of wrapped around the axle in that phrasing because they take it to mean that Christ is a created being. But that's not what firstborn over all creation means. Christ is the firstborn, and then later it's also communicated that the church is the firstborn from the dead. So Jesus is the head of his body, the church, and they are one, right? A body is one thing. A body requires a head. A head requires a body. Jesus has designed it to where we are one with him. We are a part of him. He owns everything. He maintains everything. He has rights to everything. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. And so when you read this, he is the head of the body, the church, who is in the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. You see that Jesus is the firstborn over all creation, it says in verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, firstborn over all creation. And then we see that our body, our church, that is rebirthed from the dead, is the firstborn from the dead, to join him in life. Christ will restore not only us when we are brought back to life, just like those bones in the story of Ezekiel, all those skeletons that rise up and then Ezekiel witnesses them being enfleshed and brought to life. That's us. We're that dead army brought to life. Yet, 
That's not all Christ rules over. Christ rules over everything, all principalities, whether they are angelic, whether they are earthly, Christ is over all. And we live at a time when even the church vastly, vastly diminishes the breadth of Christ's kingdom. Christ rules Islam. Christ rules Buddhism. He rules every person on earth. He rules every molecule on earth. We all owe Christ our allegiance. And so we, as his ambassadors on earth, are to convey that message to the world. We all owe Christ our allegiance. And so the Christians that don't understand this, that don't really understand the word of God, are doing Jesus no service by proclaiming that there is this vast stretch of this world, whether it's people in the world or creation itself, that are not under Christ's authority. Christ is firstborn over all. In 1 Timothy, Paul says this to Timothy, we trust in the living God who is the savior of all men, especially of those who believe. Now, if you like studying theology and you've ever studied universalism, you know that universalists attempt to say, all will be saved. Paul said it right here. Jesus is the savior of all men. Yet, they will refuse to go back just to two mere chapters and say from 1 Timothy 2.5, there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, the Lord Jesus Christ. So when later in 1 Timothy 4.10, Paul says that Jesus is the savior of all men, he says, especially of those who believe. Why would he say, especially of those who believe, if you don't need belief to be saved? See, Jesus is the Savior of all men. He's the only Savior of all men. But not all men are saved. That's the key. This doesn't imply that all men are saved. This implies there's only one Savior. And it's that Savior that we come to this table and enter into his body. We, the church, are his body on this earth to bring about and do his will in all things before believers and before the unbelievers. And so as we come to the table, let's be reminded that Christ is all powerful. We just need not fear anything, whether earthly or heavenly. Uh, he uh, strives through us to exercise his dominion and the, the evil uh, principalities will not take that lightly so we must expect opposition as we carry out his will on the earth father we thank you we thank you for the fact that you have uh, raised us up to a position of incredible glory as your body in this world <clears throat> and father this is not just a physical world this is a spiritual world and so we know that we face enemies uh, we face earthly enemies and we face spiritual enemies that are often behind and driving the behaviors of earthly enemies. And so we pray for courage and we pray for uh, strength of character and resolve to do your will, to be courageous in all that we do. We give you thanks and we uh, look forward to entering into uh, uh, your body 
with greater uh, service intended to you on this earth, especially as we partake of the bread and the wine that uh, are your spiritual body. We thank you, Father, for your kindness and for your presence. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.